What's up, guys? This is Will. And this is Zach. And we are the Title Chasers. going on guys so today we have a very special day here at title chasers for today we have our first ever guest appearance i'd like to welcome my longtime friend and uh best buddy over here chase wow you threw zach under the bus pretty quick (laughs) (laughs) no it's good to be on the show guys good to be on the show so chase has done a lot of work with me with the radio station i work with outside of title chasers and i've known chase since i was a freshman in high school you know and uh, i figured who better to have on the show than chase for a first time guest so welcome to title chasers chase well i mean you're not even bringing up the fact that i'm a sports major and i literally study sport but you know i appreciate all that stuff too so (laughs) Sweep that under the rug in this show. <laughs> Your accomplishments mean nothing. Anyway, so so you are currently studying uh, for sports in college. You want to? Yeah. So I'm a recreation sport wellness major at a uh, Gordon Con- Co- Gordon College. Excuse me. And yeah, it's it's a good time. I uh, love my pro- love my major. Love my uh, professors. And yeah, nope. I have a. Uh, I just got done studying uh, sports sociology and uh, coaching theories. So. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting next semester because I gotta st- kind of cram in a lot of major classes, so it's gonna be fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, might as well start uh, addressing the topics for today's show. So yeah, uh, NBA finals uh, start tonight. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. You'll be listening on Friday if you're hearing this now. But uh, so yeah, Raptors versus Golden State. Game one is in Toronto, uh, which is interesting. Um, Zach, what do you think is going to go down this series? Well, I think it's has a potential for an upset, um, but I do think Golden State will prevail. I really like the way Kawhi's been playing, rallying around his teammates. It looks like he's really out for vengeance in this series. But what Golden State has that Toronto does not is experience. Granted, Kawhi did win a title in 2014. Uh, it looks like the Warriors are really hungry for a three-peat, and... This could potentially be their last year with Kawhi, with KD, and definitely with DeMarcus Cousins. I think this could potentially be their last hoorah uh, in their dynasty. But I like the Warriors in this series. I think that they'll win, I'm going to say, five games. I think the Raptors will take a game. But I think they match up relatively well. I think the Raptors are a little bigger than they are uh, size-wise. But I think it's going to be a really good series. A lot of a lot more exciting than the Cavs series last year. I think last year we knew damn well that the Warriors were going to sweep them. Yeah, yeah. I think it all depends on uh, Kawhi's ability to lead his team against Golden State. Uh, I can't see Toronto winning any more than one game against Golden State. Even if they did, I'd be very impressed. So my prediction is Warriors in four. I think they're going to sweep for a title two years in a row, but that's just me. I've found that a lot of people seem to think that Toronto's going to have a little more of a chance to win a game, maybe even two games. So, Well, I mean, I think that they were – I think 
roster-wise, I think they were worse than the 76ers. I think matchup-wise, they were worse than the Bucks. And now they go against the Warriors, who match up. Obviously, they they look much more talented than the Raptors do. Yeah. But I think that it's shown that Kawhi can be a leader for a team, which not yeah. a lot of players in the NBA can be. So I think I think it'll be a better series than we might expect. I don't think they're going to win. If they do win, then it would be a major upset, like bigger than the Dallas upset. You know, it would be a massive upset. But Yeah. Yeah, Chase, what do you think? I'm thinking Raptors in seven. I really, I know this is kind of a polarizing thing, and really my big thing is, it, this depends when KD and Demarcus Cousins come back, because hmm. they're two major players, but it's two major players that the Raptors don't have to worry about. And I mean, I know Lowry can has the potential to go off. I know Kawhi, obviously, I think he's the MVP this year. I mean, the only person who can come close is Giannis. Yeah. But I think that if they are able to play their game and figure them out. I think it's going to be Raptors in seven. And, you know, this is a challenge that, you know, they've never faced. You know, the Warriors have never faced Kawhi in the finals. You know, they have never faced a team like the Raptors. I mean, you think about it. It's always been LeBron and, you know, Kyrie. Or LeBron and Kyrie. Yeah, LeBron and Kyrie. And, you know, granted, it's a really insurmountable challenge, but Kawhi is no LeBron. He, you know, and I... Wish I knew, you know, the head-to-head record with the uh, Golden State and the Raptors in the, you know, regular season. But... Regular season, the Raptors beat them two uh, out of the two games. Yeah, so I think I kind of disagree with you. I think it's going to be a lot closer than you think. But I could, if the Warriors sweep, it wouldn't surprise me. But I think I think the Raptors in seven. I think that's a and that would that's also bold. Me. It, it is a bold mm. statement. But uh, I was and I actually have this on uh, SoundCloud. I did a radio show with uh, my friend Liam Carroll. I actually called the uh, first ever 16 seed beating a one seed. And yeah, mm. I actually I actually called it. I I'm like yeah no this is gonna be the year 16 seed beats a one seed. And he's like that's a bold statement. I'm like, well you know big go big or go home. But <laughs> so I think I think if that does happen and the and the Warriors do lose in seven. It's a lot of parameters yeah. to that. Does Kawhi stay? What happens with the dynasty? Where does the dynasty rank after they lose? Um, not only do they lose after having a 3-1 lead not, in 2016. Not even to mention that, the Drake curse is broken. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that too. <laughs> at that point, Drake is going to lose his mind, and it's just like, you know what? Good for you, buddy. Good for you. So Yeah. Yeah, he got a lot of attention when he was massaging Nick Nurse uh, on the sidelines. <laughs> I would have uh, smacked him. A lot so of long time, hard. a lot of long time sports fans really hated that he did that. I thought, I mean, I, I don't know. It's a culture, you know. I don't, I didn't care that much about it, but yeah, obviously some of the other. Uh, well, that's basketball. the thing. Where, where should the fans be that involved with the game where they can actually go up and massage the coach? Not the fans, but Drake and like celebrities. It's a little different. Mm. They treat. No, they're, they're still fans. Honestly, they, they don't have the right just because they have money and they have you know people who follow them. Doesn't yeah, give you the excuse to go. Up yeah, and but touch then it. again, like, it is a completely different thing though. Like the coach sees, oh hey, that's Drake. You the know, the most iconic, not, you know, rapper in the game right now. You know, yeah, not you know, oh some random weirdos coming up I'll to court side. Oh look, a sweaty from New Hampshire. A sweaty yeah. from New Hampshire wants to massage me. It's like, oh no, this is Drake. You know, he's a yeah. famous rapper. You know, his music might be complete garbage, but you know. <laughs> He used to call me on my cell phone. Dude, that's not rap. Anyway, <laughs> this is, this ain't a music podcast. Get over it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I yeah. Like I, I feel like I need to defend him a little bit, but, you know, nah, I'm not going he, to. He, 
No, nah, put him up. Put him up in the box seats. Like seriously, don't don't give him that privilege. Uh, he'll he'll pay fifty thousand dollars for the the front row seats though. That's the thing. He can afford it. Yeah. You kidding me? He makes that in a day. So. Yeah. Probably more, but. He makes a lot of money. That's for sure. More money than this podcast will ever make. Oh. Uh, uh, ouch. Uh, that hurt. Dude, if you guys prove me wrong, I will gladly. If we made $50,000 an episode, that'd be one hell yeah, of a Yeah, we're going to Hawaii and we're not inviting you. How's that sound? Yeah, it's, it's okay. I'll join through Discord anyway. <laughs> Chase, you played hockey at Bishop, uh, Bishop Brady, right? I did play hockey at Bishop Brady. Uh, so my take on this, it's going to be a bloodbath because obviously by now everyone knows that, uh, you know, series tied 1-1 as of Thursday and... You know, Tory Krug destroyed Thomas. Like it, it, if they win the stand, if the Bruins win the Stanley Cup, you know, knock on wood. But uh, if they win, I think he might get a statue for that eventually because it was just so iconic, like the hit. You literally hmm. just old time hockey, you know. And everyone's like, oh well, it was a charge. Well, actually, if you look at the play, he actually glided from the blue line to the blue ha- or to the hash marks of the you know faceoff dot and just lit him up. I mean, he was just cruising but so you know obviously the Bruins won the first game uh four to two you know pretty pretty rough first period for the Bruins there and then they came back you know from two down and then you know last night uh Wednesday the the Blues won in overtime from a rocket of a shot and on you know I believe it was by uh Gunnarsson but really the Bruins need to be they need to be worried because they're going back to St. Louis. I mean, they they're used to playing in hostile environments cuz Carolina was brutal. I mean, yeah. you know, they had the, you know, the fans with the what is it, the thunderclap, you know, where they just did that celebration after every time they won. I could see, you know, that not being as bad as being in St. Louis, but they got to worry because right now St. Louis they're playing the body first. And really that's been working because the Bruins aren't used to, you know, playing against that. I mean, I think in the second period the Blues had 30 hits. Oof, that's that's tough. Mm. And especially I mean, when you're especially when you're in the Stanley Cup Finals and you've already played three rounds. That's tough. Yeah. So I mean, I think you know. And here's the question though: Grizzly is gone. He's he's injured. They're not sure what's wrong with him as of right now. Uh, they went to the hospital, or he went to the hospital to do some checks. I believe it's concussion related. I mean, that's a fair assessment and. Everyone, right now, there's a big divide on whether or not uh, Sunquist, who delivered the hit, should be suspended. They did call a penalty for boarding, which understandable. However, there was contact to the head. Ooh. And it. that being said, he also did kind of have an awkward angle where he, you know, threw the puck out and his shoulder was out. But Sunquist didn't go for the shoulder. He went for the head. And you literally see his shoulder... You know, his elbow in his back, his shoulder on his head, hit the glass. It was literally shoulder, head, glass. That's what it was. So I can see there being a suspension because, I mean, McAvoy got suspended, you know, a game for something that was way lighter than that. So it depends. I think this series is going to go seven games. That's my Yeah. Mm. It's definitely. This is going to be a tough fight. I mean, I think what you were mentioning the first period of game one. I think it was us shaking off the rust because we had, what, 12 days off? Something like that. Something like that. We had, like, nearly two weeks off uh, after we swept uh, Carolina. But, you know, I'm really glad that we won game one. Game two, I mean, it looked like game two, it was a pretty, I think it was a pretty well-fought game on both sides. The Blues did outplay us, what you were saying, with the 30 hits in the second period. 
they outhit us. Um, their hits were 50. We had 31 in hmm. the game. So that's a lot more physicality that we're receiving than we're taking. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Coyle uh, commented on St. Louis's performance. They came at a hard. They came. They came harder than the last game. They had pace. They hit. They were all over the puck. We expected that. I don't think our play was up to par with theirs. And you see, you know, they got the they got the result they wanted. So, the Bruins know what they're like. I think game one, the Blues kind of figured out what they had to expect, and now I think this game, the Bruins know what they have to expect. Yeah. Because St. Louis is an in-your-face hockey club. You know, the defensemen will get down, they will pinch, you know, they have very active sticks, which basically means that, you know, if you're trying to chip the puck out, most likely it'll hit one of their sticks. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough game. I think they're gonna have a, I think they're gonna struggle. But I think if I had to give my prediction, I would say Bruins and seven. And that's not just me being biased, it's just that if the first line for the Bruins are able to get their act together and they're able to start performing on the power play and just performing in general. St. Louis can't stop it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I saw how we dominated the Hurricanes. First line was incredible, you know. So I think I like, I think you're right with what you're saying. It's going to be a tough fight. I think the Bruins are definitely in your face as well. Same with the Blues. I think they're a really good matchup, both of them, for each other. But they're going to test each other's limits. Now, Saturday, it'll be in St. Louis. And you were mentioning the rowdiness of St. Louis. I think Game 3 is a... Big game. You don't want to be behind the Blues. You need to win game three. Because here's here's how it works. If the Bruins are able to win game, you know, if they're able to win game three, that means it's on their terms now, where they could potentially win the Cup at home. If they lose two games, you know, then they essentially, they're fighting all the way from behind again. Yeah. So this next game is going to be crucial, and it's going to set the tone. It really is. And... I still think it's going to go seven games. And, I mean, the Bruins, I believe, have home ice advantage all the way through mm. So because they do have the better record. But it's going to be a slugfest. I do, if I look at the Bruins' first two games of the Stanley Cup, I see that, you know, obviously we won game one. Game The first period was kind of rusty, but we went back and uh, we ended up winning the game. Game three, I'm sorry, game two, if you look at the game, I think it was relatively uh, even for the most part. All we really need, if we if we put a puck in the back of the net in OT, we would have been up 2-0 in the series. So I don't think uh, Bruce Cassidy and the boys should be down on their performance for the first two games by any means. I also think something you have to look at. The Bruins said, or the the Blues said, that was the best game. Like that was their game plan. That was the best way that they could play hockey. The Bruins said they were off. Yeah. And it went into overtime, and it was a slugfest all the way through. Yeah. So I think if the Bruins are able to play their best game. And they're able to work around St. Louis, and you know, it, you know, work with the adjustments Bruce Cassidy is going to make. I think the Bruins are going to be able to take it. So yeah, I think we're a better team all overall. I think Tuka's is a better goaltender, and if our first line can perform the way it did in uh, Carolina, then it's going to be really tough for them to uh, face off against us. Yeah. Well, you've been quiet. <laughs> any any no, no. thoughts? I mean, it's just going to be interesting. These are two really talented teams. Uh, I'm really actually honestly excited to see St. Louis putting up the fight that they have, you know. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, have been underestimating the Blues to an extent, you know. Yeah. But they're a really talented team, you know. And uh, they brought a lot of energy last night. 
So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think it's going to be a six or seven game series. You know, uh, I think Bruins and six. I don't know if I said that last week on the show or not, but that's going to be my prediction. Bruins and six. But it's going to be interesting. Uh, we could see a better picture of how the rest of the series is going to go by how the game in St. Louis on Saturday goes. Yeah. If the Bruins do well on the road then I think that's going to show us that the Bruins pretty much have the title. You know, they have the cup. Uh, But if the Bruins can shake us up uh, Saturday on the road, then it's going to be very, very anxiety-inducing for Bruins fans, you know. Preach. Yeah. We haven't won a a title in over 100 days. It's been tough tough for us. We haven't had a parade since February. Yeah. If we're hostile, it's because it's been so long, you know? Yeah, yeah. withdrawal, dilated eyes, it's you know? It's literally everyone versus Boston because everyone hates Boston. Like, <laughs> I know. I, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm part of a hockey community at chat, and basically it's hilarious because people who are, like, Pittsburgh fans, people who are, like, you know, oh, gosh, like, just, like Ducks fans, you know, like, Toronto fans, everyone's like, oh, the Bruins need to get over it. Honestly, they keep whining, and I'm like, have you seen half of the comments you're putting up right now whenever you play Boston? Because, yeah. I mean, you look at it, and people are whining all the time because it's like, oh, well, the Bruins got this call, this call, and this call. Yeah, because they got the penalty. You know, they're complaining about, oh, the hit on uh, from Oscar Sundquist on, uh, oh, gosh, what's his face? I don't even know. One of, Some new defenseman, I don't know his name yet, but... He literally came in during the playoffs, but literally got hit, you know, while he was going to change. And it's like, yeah, that's interference. And then the Bruins score on the power play, and they're like, oh, that was so cheap. Like, they keep getting these ridiculous power plays. It's like, yeah, because it was a fucking penalty. Sorry, excuse my French, but yeah. (laughs) The the hockey player in me is coming out, and boy, does he cuss like a sailor. (laughs) I always wanted to play hockey in high school. I never, our school didn't have it. I would have loved to play hockey. Yeah, it's hard because you have to play literally at such a young age in order to stay competitive. Because, I mean, there are kids in Canada who are skating by the time they're two years old. Yeah, they're crazy in Canada. Like, some some kids know how to skate before they can walk. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, it's... I don't know. I mean, back to, like, the whole New England hatred thing. I mean, you know, you have the Red Sox. Everyone hates the Red Sox because they keep winning titles. Everyone hates, you know, the Celtics because they've won the most titles in NBA history. The Bruins, because they're scrappy. Everyone hates New England because they just keep winning, and they have this quarterback. What's his name again? Oh, yeah, Tom Brady. Oh, and, yeah, um, that one guy. I think I've heard of him. He's, <laughs> he's that guy in the Croc commercial, right? Yeah. Oh, wait, doesn't he have, like, more Super Bowl rings than any other quarterback to ever play the game? Any, any, it, he has the most Super Bowl titles in any history of the NFL. He has more titles than any other player in the history of the NFL. Wow, that's crazy. One would say he's the GOAT. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I'd say you'd he's have the to GOAT. Be, you'd have to be a crazy Jets fan to think otherwise. All right, so let the slap fest begin. <laughs> um, <laughs> Zach and I are going head-to-head on who's the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm I just going to sit back over here. You guys he, have he's, fun. He's going to be the one that makes sure that I don't jump over the table and throttle Zach. Because Zach <laughs> as, with, as with Will. As with yeah, Will's so, got to do the same with me. So... But before we do this argument, let's just shake hands and, right. and just know it's that it's, fun. All, it's fun. all in good fun. Okay. I'll let you go first. I'll let you have the floor. Here, Here's the floor. Go, go ahead. Share your stats. All right. So 
for me, I believe Joe Montana is the best quarterback of all time. So, I'm just going to ask you, who is the greatest wide receiver that Tom Brady has made? Has he the best wide receiver he's made? Yeah. So, the only reason they're great is because Tom Brady essentially, you know, kept throwing them the ball and kept, you know, giving them basically golden opportunities. Well, that's a tough question because he has the most um, wide receiver touchdowns. He has the most touchdowns to individual wide receivers. So it's hard for me to choose that because, I mean, you can go Deion Branch, you can go Julian Edelman, you can do Wes Welker, you can do Rob Gronkowski, or you can say Randy Moss. Um, that's a tough question but because Ra- there's so many of them. Randy Moss was already well-established before he went to the Patriots. I know, and so, that's why it's, I can't say that with Randy Moss, but he did prolong I mean, his career. He did prolong his career. I, I will give you that. However, Joe Montana essentially made Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is no doubtably the best receiver to ever play the game. I think we can both agree on that. Oh, yeah. So Stats and everything. Yeah. But, however, would not have, like, I don't think that Jerry Rice would have been the same if he didn't have Joe Montana. And, you know, the fact that, you know, it takes two to tango. I, I literally, Joe Montana has been able to just give him essentially perfect dimes every time. And just, Jerry Rice is just able to make incredible catches. I, but, I, before you continue on with your take, would he have been still a... Hall of Fame wide receiver had he had played no. with, you know, Troy Aikman or J- I, uh, John I Elway. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. However, I could see how people would, could say potentially, but he I had, don't... He had good speed. He had good hands. Um, so there's an argument there. Yeah. So, and you, ha- you cannot deny the fact that the two of these guys together were straight magic. Like some yeah. of the, I I believe honestly, if they were both in their prime in the NFL today, I believe they still would be the most dominant. You know, tandem. I mean, you can make the case that you know. I couldn't get to see them live. I, I, I can't attest to that. Yeah, but so. they are. I mean, they were the greatest dynasty before New England, no doubt. Yeah. Well, and obviously, I think the other argument I would go would probably be Super Bowl dominance and. Hear me out. Okay. okay. So, Tom Brady's lost in the Super Bowl, something Joe Montana never did. Mm-hmm. And all the games that Brady's won, mm-hmm. the combined points that they have won by in all the Super Bowls is 19. Okay. Yep. Joe Montana, whenever he's played in the Super Bowl, his combined victory margin, 76. So, I can feel you cringing all the way from over here. Oh, I'm just so ready. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to explode. Um, but I still think that Joe Montana, you know, obviously I'm not. Th- here's the first thing: I don't believe that Tom Brady is a bad quarterback. Honestly, you cannot deny the fact that he's had a you know great career. You know, mm. and I believe that a lot of it is you know that you know Belichick did make Brady. <laughs> Who else would have given him a chance? Who else would have given him a chance? Think about it. Well, he was he was a backup quarterback from Michigan. He was taking you're, in the sixth uh, you're right in the sense that they gave him a chance, but I still think he would have been a great quarterback regardless. Maybe yeah. not six Super Bowls. It's hard to win six Super Bowls. I mean, ask you know, it took the Steelers what forty years to do that. So I mean, you going back to the whole you know he beat great teams. He beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. He beat the Dolphins, and he beat. That's when the Dolphins were actually good, though. I'm sorry, he beat the Bengals twice. My bad. Um, he absolutely. Stomped the Denver Broncos. Uh, yeah, in what the was Super it? Forty to three. Fifty-five to ten. Oh yeah, that was a great game. He had five touchdowns. I'm not going to deny that Joe Montana is the second best quarterback of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but what I will say is that yeah, he might be four for four, 
But Tom Brady has made it to nine Super Bowls. Nine Super Bowl appearances. Yeah, but you also gave the New York Giants two Super Bowls with Eli frickin' Manning. You God, that's such a that's such a bad that's such a bad take. Dude, oh my God! You he, gave Eli Manning was fourteen to ten with a minute left. If it wasn't for David Tyree, they would they would have won it. They would have been undefeated. Yes, <laughs> there's the he has, snap. He has nine Super Bowl appearances. He has more appearances than the Bears, the Saints, the Browns, the Jets, the. Buccaneers, the Texans, the Cardinals, the Texans, the Chargers, the Lions, and the Jaguars combined. And you're gonna say, oh, oh, they don't have as good of a, a point differential because he didn't make, he wasn't, he wasn't nine for well, nine. Actually, I just love looking. I'm literally looking at the audio thing right now, and you just see straight <laughs> white <laughs> because this man cannot control himself to have a civil discussion. So. <sighs> <sighs> And if you let me finish, go ahead. (laughs) When Montana reached the postseason, he he was nothing short of spectacular. It was magic. Over his career, Montana accumulated a postseason passer rating of, you know, ninety-five-six. Then, when the Super Bowl came around, Montana was on another planet and had a passer rating of one twenty-seven point eight. Both of those marks are better than Brady's, you know, throughout all of his career, you know, in terms of the playoffs. So. In terms, you know, because everyone's like, oh, yeah, Brady's a postseason quarterback. And, I mean, and I think you can agree with that statement because, I mean, yeah. Brady, there's a, it's a whole other level of Brady whenever he's playing in the uh, you know, playing in the playoffs. However, the fact that he's never even been able to come close to that with Joe Montana, I would say that, you know, I don't think it's as cut and dry as you make it seem that it's like, oh, yeah, it's clearly Tom Brady's the best. So, Accomplishments, accolades, and stats <laughs> – I say otherwise. Now, I will say that Joe Montana had um, less of a time to make his imprint. He played 15 seasons. Two of them were plagued with injury. So you might have a take there where you say, like, you know. Well, it's the same thing with LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Hmm. Because where you look at it, yeah, LeBron's got better stats, but he's also had how much longer to do it. Yeah, so, LeBron's played. Uh, what, uh, LeBron's like 16, 16? seasons right LeBron now. LeBron played, yeah, it's very and then similar. MJ, MJ played like, what, 10? He played 13, 13. seasons because he retired two times. Yeah, um, so I can understand, if you're, but if you're just going off straight accomplishments, you know, yeah, Tom Brady would technically be better because he's had more time to achieve them. Yeah. And I still think that, Joe Montana would be better because Joe Montana has been able to make everyone better around him. You tell, because you, are you trying to say that Tom Brady does not make his players better around him? Well, if you look at it, who has he had to pass to? He's had Gronkowski. He's he, had, he's had Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. He's had, he's had, he's had Chris Hogan. He's had, oh, uh, uh, yeah. You picked the two worst receivers, Brad. The ones that he brought to, to Pro Bowl level. And then he had, yeah, who does he have he could, now? Sony Michelle. He has. Dude, Sony Michelle has a promising career. I don't care what you say. Let, but, me just, let, me just, let me just put this up real quick. Wide receivers that Tom Brady has, has, has scored with. He's had some of the most garbage wide receivers in his entire. I mean, he's, he but, has, but let's just let's just establish this. Philip Dorsett. I'm let's just going to say Philip Dorsett. He was an let, undrafted let, bust. Let, let's just establish this, though. He couldn't even make Brian LaFell good. You're gonna use Brian. La- Brian LaFell is just a terrible wide receiver. You I know. I know. <laughs> you can't. You can't expect Tom Brady to carry everybody. Yeah. He still made. 
Look at Wes Welker before the Patriots and after the Patriots. I'm not no disrespect. I love Wes Welker, well, but Wel- I mean, he some came of the- in with he Welker came in in his prime though. Yeah. So uh-huh. what about Kevin Falk? What about Chris Hogan? What about? Well, you can argue that Belichick made Hogan because honestly, he was a lacrosse player beforehand. So I mean, you Does, know, but he still made he still made in terms a, of in ter- a decent wide receiver. Yeah, he was able to give him stats. Now you know I'm not going to count Gronkowski and Moss and Welker because those three are Hall of Famers and like Randy Moss, he had a great time with the Vikings before us. You know, he, so, he would have a Hall of Fame career regardless whether or not he. If he would have went to the Bengals, he would have still been a Hall of Famer, no doubt. Rob Gronkowski was a second round draft pick. He had a lot of talent going out of high, uh, out of college. So I'm not going to even mention those two. But what about what about Daniel Graham? What about what about James uh, James White, Chris Hogan, Dion Lewis, Aaron Dobson, Scott Chandler, Danny? Woodhead. These are not pro ball players. And yeah, then you might actually could have the potential to be a pro ball player because he's actually De- he's he's a rookie. Danny Woodhead or no or White. Oh yeah, James White. I like James White. I, I so Brandon Lloyd, Malcolm. These are all people that he's scored. Jermaine Wiggins. Some of these people that he's had completely flounder after he leaves. And why is that? You might ask. It's because he makes the people better around him. Micah. Michael, I can't, I can't even pronounce this guy. Michael Hamanalulu. Michael Hamanalulu. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. He's some bum from Florida or Hawaii or whatever. Those are two very, very different places, bud. Um, so, however, you look at that list and really from what I see, how many touchdowns did all those guys that you just mentioned, how many touchdowns did they have with Tom Brady? Well, let's see. Philip Dorsett had two. Danny Wynn had four. Jabbar Gaffney had six. Shane Vereen, seven. Brendan LaFell, seven. You made fun of Brendan LaFell earlier. Brendan LaFell had seven touchdowns with Tom Brady. Um, David I'm Gibbons. Ta- I'm 12. talking about the ones you were go- talking about earlier. The ones Chris that- Hogan had ten. Um, Chris Hogan's also still playing. So Chris Hogan doesn't play for the Patriots anymore now. He plays for the Panthers. We'll see how his career completely declines with Cam, Cam Newton, who's a Pro Bowl quarterback. We'll see how that goes. Um, Aaron Dobson. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I absolutely love this. <laughs> Both of my best friends are finding each other. Yay! If you're, I mean, yeah, I, I get what you're going to... I know what you're about to allude to in the sense that, oh, this person only had one touchdown. He had two touchdowns. The, the point is the fact that he has over 71 receivers that contribute to his over 500 touchdowns. And before you go back to the... Oh well, he he's played longer than he's played longer than Joe Montana. Wasn't even gonna go to that, but okay. No, I I, I knew it was cooking. You're it's in the back of your mind. I just know it. I mean, it wasn't until you talked about it, but sure. Thank you for that. Um, <sighs> look, a lot of those receivers. What is it like? I'd say probably around twenty of those don't even have you know more than two. Mm-hmm. If anything, that just shows you how quickly that the Patriots go through receivers. Because when I look at that stat, I see, okay, pretty much if you score five touchdowns, that means you've probably been there for at least two or three seasons. You know, because honestly, I mean, depending on how much you get targeted. So, yeah, you're, you're, you're biting your hand now, bud. You can, <laughs> I, can just, I can just sense. Well, I mean, not necessarily. I look at this list. I see 71 different receivers. I say that he succeeds with a whole dozen of you know i see him i see him succeed with dozens of other wide receivers 
you can say that he he his success is only because of Gronkowski, but his career with Gronkowski started in 2010. He was already a two-time MVP before that and three-time Super Bowl champion before that. Randy Moss, he joined him in 2007. He left in 2010. It's a short window of time with Tom Brady. Les Welker, he joined in, I want to say, 2006, and he left in 2011. Dion Branch was the beginning of his career. Julian Edelman has been for roughly six years of his career. Aaron Hernandez from 2011 to 2013 before he was convicted of murder. Are you really going to leave me hanging with that one? Aaron Hernandez? Are you really going to leave me hanging with that one? With what? You're you're missing the joke here. Okay. Um, (laughs) Aaron Hernandez hanging. Oh, my fantasy oh. football team was literally named Hanging with Hernandez. So I, mean, oh. <laughs> I know oh. too soon. I, oh. I, I feel like I had to do a project on CTE and I had to I had to go through the whole study with Aaron Hernandez. And honestly, it's mm. it's really tragic to see. I mean, it's and he was a really good quarterback or quarterback tight, uh, end. tight end. Yeah. Yeah. They were the best tight end duo. I mean, for that Gron- Gronkowski. Like, and that's the scary thing, though, is that at one point he had. You know, Edelman, Welker, Gronkowski, and Hernandez. Mm. Like, that is scary. <laughs> They're stacked, yeah. And, they, I mean, they made it to the Super Bowl against the Giants in that time. Yeah, and then they gave Eli his second ring. I went to the gate. I think their defense might have done that. Mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> so, Joe Montana has lost in the first round four times in his 13-year career. Tom Brady and his – what is he on now? Is it – 19 years? Has he been in the league for 19 years now, Will? Yes, he has. He's lost his first playoff game twice. 2009, after his knee injury the year before, and then against the Jets in 2010, where they lost 28-21 to against Mark Sanchez. And that's a dark time in my history. I try, not to, I try to repress those memories. But essentially, if he makes the postseason, which he does every year, he's won... 10-plus games, 16 consecutive seasons. I'll repeat that, 16 consecutive seasons. System quarterback, my ass. <laughs> Joe Montana, in his first-round exits, he scored three points, three points, 24-21. Okay, you'll say, okay, 21. Okay, he lost to the um, the Redskins. He scored, you know, he hit 347 yards. Okay, that, that game you can exclude. The game against the Vikings he lost in the first round. He was 12 for 26 with 109 yards, QBR of 42. And then against the Giants, he was he lost 49 to 3. He had 98 yards, two picks, and a QBR of 34. And then another game against the Giants. The year later, 17 to 3, he had 296 yards, QBR of 65.6. What Tom Brady does is he doesn't lose. In the first round. He makes it to the conference championship. He's made it to 13 conference championship games in his 18-year career. That's roughly 72% of the time he makes the conference championship, which is a kind of a big deal, I think. I mean, I don't know what you I, I, I'd say so. I'd say so, too, yeah. Um, so back to that. Um, you know, Joe Montana averages roughly 273 yards a game in his career. Tom Brady... Averaged about 400 in his postseason games. Joe Montana's a two-time MVP. Brady's a three-time MVP. Tom Brady is 207 and 60, which is 77.5% of his games won. Joe Montana 
117 and 48, 71%. I'm not slashing in any of those. That's a lot of winning. Tom Brady has as many playoff wins as Joe Montana's franchise. The 49ers, they have 30 playoff wins. Guess who else has 30? Tom Brady. Yeah, there's the white again. You need to back away from the mic, bud. <laughs> Sorry in advance for all the people listening and just essentially experiencing, you know, ear bleeding because of this guy. But, look, so, honestly, you, you've done your homework. I'll give you that. And mm. I applaud you for that because, honestly, not a lot of people do. But the one thing that I, like, there's no debate between who is better between Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. You know that. Not, any, uh, not anymore. Because, no, I mean... They, but here's the thing. They were able to go head-to-head. Yeah. And, I mean, that's what yeah, no, Michael Jordan said when he was, you know, compared, like, oh, do you think you're better than Bill Russell and do you think you're better than, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? And it's like, well, I never got to play them, so I yeah. can't honestly say that I am better than them. Yeah. And that's also the difference between, you know, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Honestly, I would love to do that debate because... Oh, my... That, that one's, nah. a, that, that that one's that, a slippery slope because that one goes either way, I yeah. think. So, but that's the thing. LeBron James has actively said he's the greatest of all time. And that annoys me. That, But the, here's the thing. Michael Jordan never came out and said it. He knew it. I mean, he, exactly. he, he knew. But, you know, Michael or LeBron James is just like, oh, it was at this moment I knew I was the greatest of all time. It's like, no, you still are 3-6 and six in the finals. 3-6 three, three <laughs> in the finals. And let's not even mention the fact that you also had for, what was it, he won two with the Heat? Yeah. And he had Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Yeah. That right there is and dangerous. He, and then in the with the Cavaliers, he had Kyrie and Kevin Love. It's yeah. like, uh, I mean, that's a whole yeah. other argument. So, I could totally, that's a, that one, I don't even know which one I side with, honestly, because so, that's a tough one. But LeBron James may, that's a whole really, other argument. I won't even, I won't even touch yeah. that one. So really, <laughs> I think the only way to really decide that, this argument would to be to decide who actually, you know, essentially play head to head. But yeah. I mean, we can't do that, sadly. So, I mean, and you could arguably say, well, I mean, oh, just going off the stats, but here's the thing. Tom Brady's had a lot longer of a career to accumulate those stats. He's had mm. a lot longer time to accumulate all of that. Then we're not even taking coaching into account where it's just like, yeah. you know, the quality of chokes. Because, I mean, honestly, Bill Belichick is up there with the greatest coaches of all time. Yeah, you really I mean, can't you can't say who's the greatest coach of all time because it depends on the what need, you know, what need does the team have. Yeah. I mean, when you look at Vince Lombardi, I mean, he, you know, saw a team that needed to take things seriously because essentially they were a joke beforehand, so it's just like, oh, hey, guess what? You're going to get your crack together, and you're going to, you know... I mean, he essentially was like, you know, he tore you down, but then he built you up. Yeah. Know, with Bill Belichick, you know, the need with the Patriots, it's like, yeah, no, our franchise is doing kind of okay. I mean, and then it's just like, all right, I'm just going to take you and just be better, and he was just able to hammer down a bunch of points. Yeah. So that's why, like, in terms of coaches, it does depend. I think with when it comes to the Brady and Joe Montana argument, you have two quarterbacks who I don't know which one's better skill-wise. I think they're both pretty even skill-wise. You have a great coach with them, Bill Walsh, uh, Bill Belichick. You have great weapons around him. You know, Brady had Gronkowski, Welker, Randy Moss. He had um, Jerry uh, Jerry Rice. So, they. I mean, looking at the argument um, in that sense, I do see more uh, parity, but... I look at the achievements of Tom Brady, the stats of Tom Brady, and the individual accomplishments, the six Super Bowl titles, the nine Super Bowl appearances, the 13 conference championships. I think of Tom Brady in the sense of dominance, in the sense that, similar to Michael Jordan, when you're down 10 with five minutes left, you want Tom Brady. Same with Michael Jordan. If you're down 10 points 
with five minutes left, you want Michael Jordan, you don't want LeBron James. Yeah. Arguably. I mean, it's, it's different. I think in that sense, that's a, that's a different argument. Michael Jordan wasn't as good of a shooter, wasn't as good of a passer. So that one's a different argument. But, but you know what I'm saying in the sense of greatness? With greatness, it's not about whether or not they will do it. It's when they're going to do it. Yeah. I mean, I understand that. But kind of looking also, you know, you mentioned like all these Super Bowls. I gotta go to the one with the like the with the Seattle Seahawks, you know, because honestly that one that one bothered me a lot because everyone's like, oh, Tom Brady did it, Tom Brady did it. No, that was just good defense, and the fact that you know Seattle's like, oh hey, they're gonna expect us to run the ball. Let's pass it instead. You know, yeah. that, was, that was. I look at that, that Jermaine a, Curse catch right before it, and that's a crazy catch. I mean, every play, that, every Super Bowl they nearly lost or did lose. David Tyree, um, Mario like Cunningham. Like the defense was able to essentially save their butts. And but I mean, also on the other side, the the, the oh, opposing team, some of their catches that they made. David Tyree, that's one of the best Super Bowl catches of all time. I mean, and he yet, essentially got immortalized in the NFL history books with that catch. Yeah, no, I mean, they kind of funny because I cut him a year later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, was, that was hilarious because it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a big signing bonus. You're cut. What? What? <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> and then, you know, you have the Jermaine Kerr's catch. That was great. They, like, bounced off of his leg and, like, yeah. that was a crazy catch. Honestly, I remember one watching. person I'm surprised you haven't mentioned was Edelman because, honestly, Julian Edelman, I, I think at this rate, like, everyone keeps like, oh, yeah, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I don't think he's there yet. Not but, yet. But I definitely think that... He's on his way. Yeah, he's on his way. And I honestly, I do love Edelman. I think he's a phenomenal player. Um, But, yeah, I still I still stand by the fact that it's like there's no real way to actually determine the greatest of all time unless they play each other. Like, honestly, yeah. like, I mean, like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, we knew that one for a fact. Um, I, th- I, think... I wish I wish we saw Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Oh, that would have That so would have, that one, I feel like that would have determined, like, you know, Kind of like, okay, who's the best old fart in the league? Because, I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah. Drew Brees, surefire Hall of Famer. Mm. Not even a question. Oh, yeah. So, but I feel like he kind of gets the short end of the stick when it comes to the, uh, when he gets to the, hall of, you know, greatest of all time argument because, like, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit. Yeah. I mean, like, he's been able to carry the Saints so much and I, essentially keep them relevant. He's in my top five. I mean, he should be. One, yeah. of, the most accurate, one of the most accurate quarterbacks of all time. I mean, and the, I guess you could say the same for Phillip Rivers. I mean, literally, his teams yeah. have been garbage. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but yet he's always managing to be an all-star. He's always managing to put up amazing numbers. I think it's his postseason record that sends him down. Yeah, literally. And Dude, you put up, like, this is what I really, like, you know, like, when the when the San Francisco uh, traded for Garoppolo, I seriously, I hated that trade. Yeah. I, I, I hated that trade solely for the fact that you have, you know, you have Tom Brady, arguably the greatest of all time. You have Jimmy G, who, to be very honest, he's essentially little Brady. Because you look mm. at their mannerisms, like when warming up in the field, they're essentially the same person. Both incredibly handsome, too, might I add. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally, he's got a hand on both their balls right now. All right. But, you know, I still think that it was a stupid trade because I feel like, you know, and this is just pure speculation at this point, and honestly, after that, I'm going to gonna cut this argument because, honestly, if not, we're going to go through three hours. But I know. Yeah. So, 
I feel like if they traded Tom Brady, yeah, the fam retaliation would have been pretty big. Mm. However, think about it. What can you get for the greatest quarter, like the greatest quarterback of this generation? Yeah, but what can you get for a quarterback that's 41, though? Mm. That's also the point. But here's the thing. With Tom Brady, you could make the argument that, you know, the 49ers could potentially be a Super Bowl team the next year, depending on how they draft. Mm-hmm. So, and at the same time, Jimmy G could keep that dynasty going for easily another 10 years. Yeah. I like that. I People hate me for that. Like or I said, like it was a stupid trade. That's an interesting the thing is, argument. That's, an, that's <laughs> more of a, th- I think them not trading Tom Brady is more a sense of a respect thing. It's like as if we, yeah. it, it'd be like if we would have cut David Ortiz or if we would have oh, cut, yeah. Yeah. even when we trade Paul Pierce and Paul Pierce was by no means Tom Brady or David Ortiz. I mean, he's... He's, he's a hall, he's a he's a he's a legend in Boston, but he's by no means Tom Brady. Or I mean, he's fifteenth on the scoring list. So yeah, I'm just saying in the sense that like David Ortiz, Tom Brady, they have titles, they have you know lore, they have historic moments. Not to say that Paul Pierce doesn't, but not nearly as much as Tom Brady. Yeah. Or, or those no, two. I and I get it. Like it, but right. I mean, I'm looking from an unbiased perspective here because honestly, like I could care less if the Patriots trade Brady. You know, and obviously, I mean, a lot of Pats fans would hate me. For saying that, however, if you want to keep the dynasty going, you know what's better—more Super Bowls or? I'll tell you what. If we could trade, I mean, this is an unrealistic trade. This is never. This will never happen. But imagine if we traded Tom Brady for Patrick Mahomes. I make that trade tomorrow. Like that's a. Yeah, mm. I. It's gonna be interesting how the Chiefs do because honestly, they've just. They've hit the fans so they've much. Hit, they've, hit, they've lost so many of their players yeah. because they're all scumbags. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, so. Good, got, good, good talk. It was by good the way. talk. It good was good. GG, GG. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, one of the reasons uh, I kind of came on this show was because, uh, well, obviously, Will is a good friend of mine, and Zach, you know, I've had decent interactions with. I mean, when he's not, you know, yelling at me, "You stupid Jets fan!" <laughs> oh my gosh! You're actually loyal to your own team? How dare you? <laughs> you like my Bernie Sanders impression? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. So. This is actually, I mentioned this topic, and both uh, Zach and Will were kind of interested with it, and it's a name that you probably have not heard of. I'm just going to take this mic over here, because Will doesn't know anything about you know this topic. He doesn't know anything about anything. Yeah, he really doesn't. <laughs> so, Castor Semenya is a uh, runner for South Africa. Um, she runs the 800, and she dominates everybody. It's not even close most of the time. And she got drug tested because they're like, oh, yeah, because, I mean, you look at her and she looks like a man. Like, she has, you know, she's very flat-chested, you know, and it's not to say, you know, like, honestly, it's, I'm not commenting on her looks. I'm just saying, you know, but she's intersex. So she has X and Y chromosomes. So essentially she produces as much testosterone as a man. And the, you know, she, right now the whole debate is, is that should she have to take um pills to essentially eliminate her testosterone levels and make them more, you know, like a woman. And because, and honestly, I don't think it would have mattered if that she's just like, oh, she wins by a hair or, oh yeah, she, you know, just barely lost or, you know, oh yeah, no, it was a good run, but she just wasn't able to get it. She's winning every race by like four or five seconds in the 800, which is a big, that's a big that's, amount. That's domination. Like literally she's able to run. She crosses the finish line is celebrating and, you know, for like a solid, like three seconds, and then the other person gets like, you know, oh, I'm almost 50 yards. I'm 50 yards away. So she's a dominant athlete, and I do not take that away from her. And I also do not think she's cheating in any way because, I mean, 
What are you going to do? Like, you know, when you're born, oh, well, I mean, I got to be a runner, so I guess I got to take this pill to make sure that my testosterone's fine. Like, honestly, she doesn't, she didn't know. Yeah. Like, so, and right now, uh, the court ruled that the IAF, the international, or I forget what the exact, uh, so the International Association for Athletic Federations? Federations. (laughs) This text is tiny, okay, because it's actually like an actual court document on a, you know, web browser. But, so, basically, the, you know, the World Track Organization are saying that she has to take pills to, you know, take essentially knock down her testosterone and she's appealing it right now but here's the real debate should she have to take the pills to make it fair for everyone because i mean it's something out of her control but she's also producing enough testosterone to be considered a man so hmm. what's your take on that um well this is a really this this dives into a whole uh world of of takes for this because like on one side of it, you have, well, she's a man, so she should, well, she has man chromosomes, so she should be with the men. But on the other side of it, you know, she's also, a, a, you said she's transgender? She's an intersex. So basically, she was born with the XMRI chromosomes, but she has the anatomy of a woman, and she's always identified as a woman. Yeah. So that's a, that's a really slippery slope. It honestly. is a really slippery slope. And I mean, for me, the big, th- you know, my argument is are we going off sex? which is, you know, like the biological argument, or are we going off gender, which is a lot more fluid and a lot more socially constructed? Because, I mean, obviously, as our fearless uh, scientist leader, Bill Nye the Science Guy, (laughs) stated, we thought gender was very cut and dry. We actually figured out it's a kaleidoscope. (laughs) (laughs) You either... You either become the or you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. And Bill Nye became the villain. <laughs> but so, and that I think here's the real you know question. You know, are we gonna base it off you know gender or are we gonna base it off sex? I think we should base it off of sex. I think gender is a well, little too loose at this point. Here's the thing, though. Her, her sex can't really be structurally defined that well because she has male chromosomes, as you said. But she's a female. Yeah. So that's even not even a clear picture. Her gender is completely irrelevant, in my opinion. But. However, because of this, she can actually take pills to lower her testosterone, so essentially eliminate the advantages that the chromosomes give her. And I mean, the the tracker organization even said there she is in by no way cheating, because yeah. honestly, and they said you know no matter what we do, people are going to be upset. And, I mean, I get it because, I mean, this is a very divisive topic. And, I mean, I'm, I am no, I am in no way bashing Castor Semenya. I mean, honestly, she's a phenomenal runner and I have a lot of respect for her because, I mean, she's been able to dominate her sport for so long. Yeah. I mean, she started, I believe, running in um, 2009 and, mm. you know, she's won, she's won, I believe, two gold medals. And, I mean, she's, she's a phenomenal athlete. So, however, is it fair? For other women who, you know, are training just as hard and don't have that biological advantage to, you know, have to deal with that. Because, I mean, you know, trans, you know, the whole idea of, you know, like, I'm not even going to get into the transgender argument. But, you know, you know, I think the real debate here is what constitutes a woman. Because, I mean, you know, and what constitutes a male. Because if we're going off the social construct, that could open up a lot of hurt because you could have, you know, men who really can't quite make it there, you know, in the men's division, just be like, oh, I identify as a female and run over and, you know, dominate the women. 
Yeah. And there actually are cases in Connecticut of people who, you know, who have gone through sex changes and it's like, oh, well, I mean, I've always identified as a woman who have competed in in high school as males then run as females and essentially dominate everybody. Now, there are cases of that in Connecticut and I believe, I believe it's California, but and it's a very slippery slope because, I mean, on one hand, you actually have people who are, you know, genuinely like feeling, okay, I don't feel like I should, you know, I feel like I was born the wrong way. I still want to compete. However, is it fair to everyone else? Because, I mean, also we're starting to see this in weightlifting, you know, as well, like these power sports. So, in that sense, and when it comes to powerlifting, I think the men obviously have a clear advantage biologically, physically. They yeah. physically are stronger than women. You know, so that's that's a that's a really interesting. Um, that's a real slippery slope in that sense. I think that I, I do think that she should have to take those pills because if it if she has testosterone flowing through her body and that's giving her. Um, well, I mean, uh, everyone I, has testosterone, but like an excess but, of it. Yeah, because I mean, she has the testosterone of what could be considered a male athlete. You know, and it's. It's hard because then at that point it's like, oh, well, I mean, what if we just legalize steroids and just let women use it? And it's like, then that's a slippery slope. That's another slippery slope. It's it's a very tough topic and really there is no right answer at the moment. And I mean, I know like this is probably going to be the one podcast where you get, you know, a whole bunch of people. I'm going to do it again. Just... You sexist bastards! <laughs> you know, like you just so again the Bernie Sanders impression. All right, but uh, it's gonna be it's a divisive topic, and I mean it's yeah, an I, uncomfortable topic. And I mean that's kind of why I want to bring it up because it's like you know what if we can get the conversation going on this, you know, it's important because I mean you know Castor Semenya is a very talented runner, and I mean no one's saying she's not, and I mean she is you know she's been a great influence on South you know for South Africa you know for you know empowering women's like hey look I can do this too. However, you have the testosterone of a male, which could potentially give an unfair advantage. And it's just like, you know, where's the line of integrity for the sport and what constitutes as, you know, a woman? I feel like those are the two real topics that everyone's, you know, kind of concerned with. Well, I think she's not breaking any rules. She can't help what's going on, you know. Uh, she's very talented, as you said. You know, I don't think the league should force her to do anything. I think she's just fine where she is, and I think the whole thing should just be left untouched, you know? As long as she isn't cheating, then I think yeah. there shouldn't be anything wrong with it. And, I mean, there also have been cases where, you know, there have been intersex athletes who have just dominated. And, I mean, there was one girl who um, who was in the WNBA for the United States, and she never went to the Olympics. She oh, Something always came up. And it's highly speculated that she knew she was intersex. So she's like, oh, I'm going to get pinned for this. You know, they're going to make me, you know, it could potentially ruin my career. So she just never went. So, mm. you know, it's a very slippery slope. And it's like, well, what do we do? I so, feel like this argument wouldn't be present if there wasn't, like, if she wasn't dominating. I feel like it wouldn't yeah. be as much of a topic. Yeah. I mean, and again, we are holding nothing against Castro Semenya. Because here's the thing. You can't control what your body produces. Exactly. Like, it's the same thing. It's like. It'd be like yelling at someone, oh, you grew, you know, you became a cancer patient. What's wrong with you? Like, can't you just tell your body to kill cancer? It's like, no, you can't do that. Yeah. It's not It's not physically possible. However, is it still fair for you to, you know, have this advantage that, you know, it's, it's really, it's just a tough topic. And I mean, it, I can't say that enough, but, you know, really, and I appreciate what the track association said where it's like, we're not saying she's cheating at all, because. But however, no matter what our decision is, 
we're going to get a lot of backlash for it. So, And I think it is also fair to note that the Olympic Association is starting to uh, go with the idea of, hey, we're going to, uh, you know, base it off of gender rather than sex. And it's starting to, you know, accumulate that, you know, male athletes who can't w- cut it in the men's division might start transferring over to the women's. I so, will say that whatever they decide to do will shape um, intersex sports for the rest of time. It, it's going to change a lot. It's going to be like, that's why I'm kind of bringing it up. Cause I mean, this is going to be something that defines sports for a very long time. It's, it's a very big deal. It's, it's kind of like, I don't want to compare it to Roe v. Wade, where it's just like, you know, it's still very prevalent today, but it's, I feel like it has the potential to be that kind of case. So, hmm. so yeah, uh, it is about 56 minutes. Oh, wow. That just flew by. I feel like 75% of that was just the whole Montana Brady thing. But <laughs> it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a whole yeah. lot of fun having you on, Chase. Thanks for coming not on, man. Guys, not First a honorary guest of the Title Chases podcast. So, yeah, uh, awesome, awesome show. Really exciting, really entertaining. So uh, I'd like to thank you guys for listening, and I would also like to thank Concord TV for giving us this awesome studio to record. We've been working with these guys for, what, about a month now or so? Almost two. Almost two months now, and uh, just an awesome, awesome organization to work with. Uh, really love Josh. He's a really good guy. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And, uh, yeah, you can listen to us on Spotify or on the Anchor app. But you probably already know that if you're listening right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Thanks, guys, for listening. And we will see you next week. Peace.